Ellie Beer is the founder of United Hatzalah of Israel. He's been a guest of ours many times. The last time I flew to Israel, which, believe it or not, is now over half a year ago. It was uh, just around New Year's Day of 2020. I had the chance to actually sit next to Ellie uh, during the during that, my most recent journey to the Holy Land. Many of you know that he's a COVID recovery. Uh, when he was in Florida the week of Purim, he got COVID and bad. He was put on a respirator about 30 days in two different shifts of being on a respirator and sedated. Survived, went to Israel uh, to a hero's welcome, deservedly. And I would say for those, for the group of people in our community around the world who survived COVID, he had one of the most harrowing experiences. Obviously, the most harrowing experiences were our, were, were our friends and family members who perished during the plague, during the terrible disease. Uh, he survived, thank God. Um, and lives to tell about it, and even donated plasma uh, this week at Hadassah in Kerem because his antibody numbers are so high. I was able to donate plasma to help uh, those who are now suffering from COVID. Uh, But he did tell me off the air that there are some after effects of this terrible disease that he would like everybody to know about. And for those of us who, thank God, Beliai and Hura have worked really, really hard since Purim not to get sick, I think he'll serve as a good reminder why it's a good idea to continue the safe practices. Ellie Beer, Baruch Rofei Cholim, blessed is the one who cures the ill. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you very much for having me again. It's a pleasure to be here. It's amazing speaking to you. I remember the trip to Israel (laughs) when we were together and we had a good opportunity to schmooze. And now I'm saying to myself, don't take that for granted, Nahum. You hear Ellie Beer's voice, things could have been very different. And thank God we, you and I are speaking now in front of this great audience and talking about the chesed of the one above and uh, recounting what was a terrible experience, but thank God a great homecoming for you in Israel. Um, you know, it, it's described in the news reports that it was two different shifts of, of going onto a ventilator in order for the doctors to help you survive this down in Miami. You were in Florida when this got you the week of Purim, and this was, you know, more than a 30-day ordeal after that. Uh, You know, I I wonder in retrospect, now when people see the results of those who were put on ventilators, was that, and I'm not trying to criticize anybody or be a sensationalist, I'm just asking out of curiosity, was that the right decision medically to do for you at that time? It's a great question. Uh, it's, it's very hard to answer. I could tell you why I decided to go to allow them to put me on a ventilator when I had a, I could hardly breathe, and the doctor said, you know, we need your approval for a ventilator. So I called my doctor in Israel, Dr. Rifkin. He's a volunteer of United States too. He's a professor in Hadassah. And I asked him, what do you think? He said, try your best not to go on a ventilator. Wow. So uh, the doctors in the hospital said, you need to go. And they started a whole argument on the phone, like a real Israeli negotiations on the phone between Israel and America. So I called Dr. Zev Newworth, a good friend of mine, a doctor in Miami, and I said, what do you think? What should I do? He says, do they have ventilators available in the hospital? This is right after the forum. Right. 
when in Europe they were out of ventilators right. and everything else. So he says, do they have ventilators? I said, yes. He says, grab one while you still have one. Wow. When I heard that, <sighs> I said to the doctors, okay, put me on. You know, it was so scary. That, 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 these times are so scary. It was, apparently it was the reason I, I was saved is because of the ventilator and because of the proning and many other things they did to me. They did a lot of things. And, of course, because of the davening of Amitra and the good chesed everyone was doing around the world. But it was really a decision I had to do that, that, to make that time. It was a Friday afternoon. It was a very scary moment for me. It was the scariest moment of my life. I can only imagine, and not to minimize, God forbid, the chesed of the one above, but you know that there were people in similar situations. In fact, some might say in the month of March, the majority of people in similar situations who did not have the same outcome that you had. Um, I mean, I would I would imagine, not to be too dramatic, but I would imagine that in those moments before going on a ventilator when they're saying to you, you will be unconscious, right? You're essentially going to be unconscious for whatever the period of time is going to be. At that point, I would guess you communicated with your family in Israel who were thousands of miles away from you. I mean, for, for a moment, forget the fright and the fear of going on the ventilator. What was that experience like of telling family, you know, th- th- this is the this is a uh, th- this is a, I don't want to say a last ditch effort, but this is a, you know, a shot to, to get me better. And I have no choice but to pursue this. In, in Israel, my family was sitting around the table. It was a Shabbos Friday night dinner, and I and they said good Shabbos to me before, and everything was okay. You know, they expected to talk to me after Shabbos, and all of a sudden, we made the decision to to induce me into coma and and put me on a ventilator. And I know what a ventilator is. You know, I was in, I'm involved with itself for 32 years. <laughs> you true. know, I've seen <laughs> thousands of people, unfortunately, in the worst conditions that we had to intubate them. And um, and give them like assist them with uh, breathing. They couldn't breathe on their own anymore. So I call my wife five or six times. And my wife is a Hatzala volunteer. She right. didn't answer the phone. Right. So I finally decided to call her walkie-talkie phone. Right. And um, she answers the phone, and I told her, you know, this is it. They're putting me, you know, they're, they're, they're inducing me into coma. Right. And you have to. That time was like Europe was a disaster. Disaster, right. you know, Italy and New York, I mean, was, and New York started to get bad already at that time. New York was about to, it was starting, yes, and people were dying all over. And Miami was still nothing was happening, but I knew the results, and I told my wife, "Listen, I need to say goodbye to all my kids. I want to say goodbye." So she said, "Don't scare them." That's what she said. Wow. I said, I'll, "I'll make sure not to scare them, and I'll just say to them." And I told each one of them how much I love them and how much I want them to continue the good deeds they do. Every single one of them is so special, always volunteering, always doing things. Three of them are volunteers of Atella. My son-in-law, too, so it's four. And then my wife, they're always busy doing good things and helping people. I just said, continue doing that and make me proud. Make your mother proud. And and then I went back to my wife and I said, listen, I'm going to send you a wheel on my WhatsApp because, you know, last the last wheel I had written was, 15 years ago, you know? Yeah. So I just wanted to make sure that she knows that, you know, I'm, I'm preparing that just in case something doesn't work out, she'll, she'll know what's going on. And, uh, and then I went ahead and I sent a message to like a goodbye message to all the Hatzala volunteers. Yeah. And I saw, I think that's the one we saw. I think that's the video that really went around the world. Ellie Beer with us, founder of United Hatzala of Israel. 
I, I know that this may sound like a silly question because you and I are pretty close in terms of you know knowing each other a long time. I feel I could ask you when 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 you're being put under, is there a confidence among you and the doctors that the that the odds are you'll wake up? Excuse me for putting it like that, but you know, was there a relative confidence that you know chances are this is going to work well? I'll tell you, um, I told one of the doctors here in the room, they were preparing the intubation and all the equipment and the ventilator. He said to me, what can I do for you before, you know, we, we inject you? So I said, um, pray for me. Yep. So he says, he smiles and he says, uh, well, I'm, uh, I'm not a believer. You know, he wasn't Jewish. He says, I'm not. <laughs> I'm an atheist. <laughs> so I said, you know what? Just do a good deed for me. Just do a good deed for me if you, if you don't want to pray. Nice. And when I woke up a month over a month after, I met him a few days later, and he says to me, "You should just know, I was praying for you, and when you woke up, I'm a I'm back to be a believer." <sighs> and it was incredible. That means the doctor did not believe that I'll survive, yep. and he was an atheist, and he was praying for me, and, and, and that I, was amazing. And and I knew that chances are five percent survival here. That that's the number you would use five percent in those times. Yes, that's what the numbers were coming back from Europe. And, and when Don't you're forget, and when you're and when, bearing, and when you you're, know thousands of people right. every day, and, and when you're going to sleep, that's the number that's going into your head is five percent. Yeah, I just knew a hundred percent. I'm going to be among the five percent. Well, because you're a believer. And by the way, in addition to the doctors, who of course you've thanked internationally, obviously the people down in Miami. I can only imagine the nurses and others who came in every day, multiple times per day to check on you. I mean, I'm sure you were introduced to a full team that while you were sleeping, you know, they were really dedicated to, to saving your life. i tell you, the hospital was very busy after a few days, and they had a lot of patients coming in from all over. And it's a great hospital, the University of Miami, and they do a good job, and they really care. But, you know, hospitals are hospitals, and... I have so many patients, but thank God I had a really incredible people looking after me. And I got a lot of phone calls into the hospital from different people, from Israel, from America, from other countries, people just calling to see how I'm doing. Some people were even very famous. The hospital knew them, big donors. So it for sure helped. And at some point after I woke up, you know, I got so many people sending food, and they couldn't even they couldn't even bring it up. But it's yeah, what, 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 once you woke up, you must have been overwhelmed hearing about everything that had happened over the previous few weeks. I mean, there. Every, I, was, I mean, everybody was text. I was texting you while you were sleeping. You know, I mean, there, there were people texting. There were people concerned, following the news, looking for the latest article about your update, and then of course those who you can imagine, you know, visited and and paid careful attention to what was going on in the actual hospital. I mean. You must have become familiar with the overwhelming attention that this got worldwide while you were sleeping. It was incredible. The nurse comes in like four days after I woke up. I couldn't walk yet. And she says to me, uh, I want to ask you a personal uh, question, if you don't mind. I don't want to go into your private stuff. Said, yeah, sure, anything. She says, are you the president of Israel? <laughs> I <laughs> She's this, this old African-American sweet lady. She says to me, are you the president of Israel? I said, why are you asking? She says, every like five minutes, people are calling and asking about you. 
So I thought maybe you're from, I knew you're from Israel. I said, maybe you're the president. <laughs> I said, I'm the president of United Atzala. So it, it's good enough. And I explained them what it is, and they loved it. They really, most of these people never heard of United Atzala, you know, these right. nurses or doctors. But I got them so much excited about the organization. Like, everyone was asking me questions. They were watching my TED Talk. They were going ahead and asking, like, like there was, I got I got a lot of attention because of United Health there. Well, they, so I, I could, these these are healthcare professionals. I can only imagine how much they appreciate what you do. Frankly, definitely, they realize that the first moments that someone needs help are the most crucial moments, mm-hmm. and that's when these volunteers show up on the ambicycles, on the on their personal cars, and they save lives. And they work in the hospitals and even an emergency room, and they get a patient coming in in an ambulance. The big difference when he got treated immediately and he got treated after 10 minutes. Yeah, that's for sure. So they, they realize how important it is. Ellie Beer is with us, one of the world's most famous COVID survivors, thank God. Um, so you're having trouble walking once you wake up, understood. How long until you can walk with a walker and really start to get around? Um, I said to myself, what happened was I really could not, I couldn't even go to the bathroom. I was very weak. I lost 17 kilo, which is over 35 pounds wow. in one week, in one month. Wow. So it was like my, most of it was muscles because yeah. I didn't use any of my muscles. So my lungs got smaller and half the size because they were using a respirator to, to give me oxygen. Right. And uh, my, my, I didn't have the power. I had to go start physiotherapy. And I said to myself, I'm not going to let myself just drown in this. And I started fighting to walk. I literally told her, I want I want them to start it right away. Like, I want right away. And they brought in great people to help me every day, a few hours. And then when I was flying back to Israel. Which was, was how still, long after that? How long after that are you on the plane? Five days after. Wow. Which was unheard of because right. they didn't want to let me out. And I said, I'm not, I can't stay here. It was already too much not yep. to see my family for so long. Yep. It was very depressing. I was. I got into a a stage in my life, which was probably the worst stage I've ever been. Thank God I should never be in, you know, I should, Mr. Shem, I should never be there again. It's called ICU, ICU delirium, which I never knew what it was. And people that wake up from a coma, induced coma, they, they get so much medication, especially in the corona, corona patients, COVID patients, they get antibiotics, they get so many different types of medication, and the sleeping medication in order for them not to wake up and take out the pipe. So it's constantly, they, they shove you in with so many medications. You get up, you terrible dreams, terrible deliriums, and you start thinking people want to kill you. And I actually thought the hospital there was a facility of people that were kidnapped. Wow. And I was kidnapped there, and, and they want to kill me soon. And I saw these weird people walking around dressed up from top to bottom, and they're walking around, and they're coming into my room, two o'clock in the morning and, and poking me to get blood out of me all the time. And like, I actually started thinking that I was kidnapped and I was, I actually told my wife in Hebrew when they put her on the phone with me in Hebrew that they shouldn't understand. I said, call the FBI because they want to kill me soon. And if not, I'm going to be dead. You know, we call the FBI right away. Like, and she thought I lost my mind, but only like two or three days later, I got back to myself and I realized that all these terrible feelings were were natural these happened to a lot of people that and, are in this situation yeah we, we've heard this from others and this is the and this is part of what you told me off the air in terms of 
you know, what people need to know about how horrible this is. And even when you wake up, what, what you're going through. What about, I want to talk about two more things. One will be the reunion in Israel, which we'll get to. But what about the after effects today? On July 27th, right, obviously Purim was March 10th. People understand this timeline better than any year's timeline, frankly. Uh, Purim was March 10th. It's now July 27th. Ellie Beer is what? Is Ellie Beer 100% fine? Is Ellie Beer fine physically but not mentally? Fine mentally but not physically? What would you say? This is how many days after? Again, say what's what's the date you're asking about? I'm, I'm asking about today, the 27th of July. Oh, okay, okay. No, I was thinking about a month later. Um, the 27th of July, I feel amazing. I'll give you, I'll tell you a little tip. Yesterday, um, I felt so good. I uh, went to Hadassah Hospital in Yerushalayim and met with the blood bank people, and they took out a liter of um, plasma out of my body with antibodies. I have very high antibodies. I can imagine. Uh, they checked me again. I always ask them, whenever I go to doctor, check me again for corona because I still have a terrible scare. Maybe I got it again. And of course I got negative and uh, my antibodies are very high. So they, they're actually going to save lives with my my plasma. Do you know the answer to this? A liter of plasma helps how many people? Do we know the answer to that or, or or, not really? I don't know. They don't have, you know, all the data yet. It's still early to know what, what it does. Right. As I think about it, I would assume people need different amounts anyway. So you never know, you know, how many it's helping. Right. Look, uh, even if it helps one person, I'll be very oh, happy. Oh, are, are you kidding? Of course. And what about a month later? You just alluded to a month later. So if I would have spoken to you, let's say, on, I don't know, April 15th in the middle of Pesach or May 1st, what would you have told me about how you felt? So May, um, right after Pesach, I woke up. So I woke up a day after Pesach. I was totally depressed. I, I missed Pesach. A month after Pesach, I was sitting with my family in Tel Aviv, I was very weak, but I was going through uh, physiotherapy every day in Tel Aviv. And a month after Pesach, I made the most the nicest Pesach Shani ever, <laughs> ever. It was like a real Pesach. They the greatest say- part about it was I called my doctor and I said, "Could I have some wine?" He says, "Yeah, I have four glasses." <laughs> and, and it was amazing. And it was say- unbelievable. And they saved you some good round matzahs from Pesach. <laughs> we bought. We bought. Oh, I got so many round matzahs. Everyone wanted it, me to eat their matzah. All the leftover matzah. They send over, and we had uh, an Israeli television crew who joined us, which they never in their life heard of Pesach Sheni. Right. Who heard of Pesach Sheni? So it was really a beautiful Kiddush Hashem. That must, have been wow. wi- that must have been wild when you realized you missed Pesach. That must have been like, like you say to your family, what was Pesach like? I mean, it must have been crazy thinking like that. I was so depressed that I missed Pesach. I couldn't believe it. Wow. I was a month in, in under, you know, in the in, in a coma. So I, I actually asked my wife how it's Pesach, and she was she in the morning of Pes- the morning before Pesach, the morning of Pesach, air Pesach. She went with my daughter Abigail, and they went to give out because they they had a lot of people in Israel, older people that were in isolation. They they couldn't go shopping or anything, right. so there, a lot of them were. So my wife went, and she took with an ambulance of a fella. Oh, I think we 60. saw this video. I think we saw this video of her doing that, right? She's unbelievable. She yeah. went down for 60 big boxes of food right. to elderly people at homes, and she delivered all this food. And she came back home after the Pesach came in. And uh, then she started cooking, so she was so exhausted. My son, my seventeen, my 16-year-old son, he was so de- uh 
so disappointed because he always loved doing negotiations about uh, Afi Coleman with me. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> and he, the poor girl, the poor wife of mine, she was so tired. So she said, you know, whatever you want, you take, you know. She says, uh, she, and he, he wants the negotiations. He's Israeli. That's what he wanted. And um, finally, um, uh, the second Pesach we did, we had to do the whole thing all over again, and we started like an hour of negotiation, so he was very happy. He had a month to think about what he, what he wanted. Ellie Beer with us, um, founder of United Atzal. So it, just to get back to my point, I'm sorry for harping on it. Is Ellie Beer 100% fine today, Baruch Hashem? Uh, not only 100% fine, I'm helping people who need help uh, emotionally and physically. I'm back to saving lives in Atzala, and I'm actually just this morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, Landed in Newark Airport. You're here. I'm in New York. Yeah. I would have told you to stop I'm, by here. <laughs> I would. I would have. Are you still in Newark? That's where the, the no. We're in Lower Man, We're in Lower Manhattan. It would have been perfect for you. For sure. For sure. So here I am in New York City. I'll be here for ten days. Nice. And then um, I, I, assume, I feel terrific. I, I really assume, do. I assume your first trip since the big homecoming, right? I would assume. My second. Oh, it's already your second. Wow. Uh, all right, Ellie. Only have a minute or two left. What was it like? I mean, look, uh, we understand because of your status and because so many people love you, we understand why the Florida community reacted the way they did when you were released from the hospital and you were on your way to the airport. And obviously we know why there were thousands of Atsala members and others to greet you in Ben Gurion when you got there. But just give me, give me, you know, give me a minute on how amazing that whole experience was. The Jewish community of Florida and especially Miami are incredible. Incredible people. And when I got sick, they were helping me and sending me so much stuff to the hospital. I couldn't even eat the food they were sending me. I was like, I lost my taste. I couldn't even, they were sending me soup. I told the doctors and nurses, just give it to the doctors and nurses. They should all eat it up. And they were so amazing. And when I got out of the hospital, I had a good friend, um, uh, uh, Sim, um, and he came from from uh, Simcha. Shane, and he came from uh, New Jersey to be the paramedic flying with me back to Israel together with Zevi North. So we got out of the hospital with the ambulance, and hundreds of cars were there from the Jewish community. And when I saw them, they were passing by, they opened the back door, and they were just screaming from the cars, they love me, and this and that. I thought it was my funeral. I actually <laughs> thought I died. I'm not kidding. I actually started pinching myself, and I said, maybe I did die. And this is the whole out of body uh, thing because it, it's like a Leviathan they were doing it for me. And on top of and that, it, and on top of that, they're flying you to Israel. <laughs> exactly. I'm getting a private flight to Israel from the Sheldon, Sheldon and Miriam Edelson. And I'm saying maybe, maybe something did happen to me and I'm not alive. And, uh, and then when I landed in Israel, a thousand hotel volunteers, I said, Oh boy, this is really, this is it. And that reunion is, and the reunion with your family must have been like surreal. It must've been so, like, like half of you is hugging them, and the other half is, like, not even believing you're with them, right? I'll tell you, that was the highlight of my, my coming back, to see my family, to see my kids, my 12-year-old, my 16-year-old, my 19, my 22, my 24, and my wife, Kitty, and then my son-in-law, of course, and hugging them. And, and I, never, I never thought I'd see them again. I really said goodbye to them. And then I'm, I'm kissing and hugging them, and it was amazing. It was the most amazing feeling and i'll tell you what happened two months after that i was hugging my first grandson right mazaltov by the way mazaltov 
Your, and I was your waiting grand, for your that. Grand... I was waiting. When I went to the hospital, I said, shucks, I'm not going to see my grandson. Your grandson I, I was, was like, just born, like, what, the 14th or 15th of July, right? Ten days ago. Ten days ago. Yeah, Mazal Tov. Yeah, uh, 11 days ago, exactly, right. yeah. And he had, a, he had a great name, my father's name, and my father-in-law's name, Gabriel Yaakov. Wow. And um, and he's having a picket of Ben, too, so I'll be back for that. Amazing. So, Baruch Hashem, I'm, I'm, I, I had the worst year of my life. And, now and I had the best year of my life. Amazing. Which is amazing together. God gives you life, and God gives you the ultimate life, which is the continuation of our tradition by having a grandson, which is just amazing. Um, uh, do you, by the way, yes or no question? Do you have your sense of smell? Uh, your sense of taste now? Unfortunately, it came back big time. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, huh? Unfortunately, I like how you say that. For somebody who tries to stay in shape, one wonders if it's better not to have the sense of taste. Huh? <laughs> uh, by the way, is this uh, is this still going on? The uh, the August sixteenth um, uh, race to virtual five k race to save lives is it still going on? Yes, thank you for saying that. That's amazing for you, ladies. Oh, you so- know, both of us like eating good food, right? So <laughs> yes. <laughs> once a year, once a year, we have to do a race to save lives. A virtual five k race to save lives. When seconds count, the race is August the sixteenth. Save lives five k dot com. It's of course United Hatsala, and they are encouraging everybody to sign up. It's hashtag race to save lives. The website is save lives five k. It's a number five. SaveLives5k.com. It's scheduled for August 16th, and I assume this is a, uh, a as, as you indicated, it's a virtual 5k. It's going to be a little different than the regular 5ks that we're used to. Right. If you remember, um, a bunch of young guys, Yami Shechter, your friend, and others, uh, came up with this idea. Uh, it was Alex Goldberg, all these guys who came to Israel for Shana and Israel and Yeshiva. How can we help Atzala? And they started a race, right. 5k race. And they were raising money. Any kilometer they do, a mile they do, people would donate for it. Right. And uh, we raised, in one year, like a few hundred thousand dollars. And then it was incredible. And then we continued it in America. We raised $1 million for Hatsala to buy equipment, med- medical supplies, and oxygen. So this year, what do we do? And everyone, you know, you can't get together and run. It's not, not so easy. So everyone could run in their home. They could run right. around the park. They could run alone. They could walk. They could even cheat and say they ran, and they could walk slower. <laughs> and they could go on an ambicycle and say they ran. Uh, but the most important thing is get groups together. Right. Groups. And uh, I, I have one group that I was so blown away from, this, uh, the Lax family from Toronto. Um, Marsha and Michael Lax. And they lost two children last year. And they're such incredible people. And they got together a bunch of guys running in there in the memory of the two ch- children, yeah. Ethan and Jonathan. And uh, and they got, like, a lot of people supporting this race. The United Hatsala Virtual 5K Race to Save Lives is officially August the 16th. Details, SaveLives5K.com, SaveLives5K.com. Ellie, or they can go on our website, uh, IsraelRescue.org, and they can see if uh, people sh- can remember easily israelrescue.org they could find it there israelrescue.org for information ellie um honestly you and i did not know if we would ever speak again baruch hashem thank god we are speaking and thank god you are 100 percent healthy and i know i uh, echo the sentiment of a lot of people around the world who are glad that you're back at the helm of united Hatsala and that you are a uh, again a uh, 
healthy member of the beer family. Kol HaKavod, uh, and uh, the, the year should only continue to get better and better. Amen, amen. And I hope soon everyone will be able to travel to Eretz Yisrael and oh, come yes. for Sukkot. And no one knows if we could or yeah or not, but I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that this terrible disease will disappear fast. Maybe I'll time it well and I'll be next to you on the plane again. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Ellie, and stay well. Ellie Beer, United Hatzalah of Israel. What a story, huh? What a story. A July Monday here at JM in the AM.